0: to a special episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. But today on the show, we're not doing that. We're not doing any of that. We're talking about our favorite movies of the year so far. Yes, film critic Josh Bell is joining me for a great little conversation about the movies that we have loved so far this year. It is the halfway point of the year, July 1st, and uh, we're going to do our top 10 so far. Of course, many things can change by the end of the year, Um, but it's already been a pretty good movie year so far. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to call it an awesome movie year yet, although it might be. We'll see by the end of the year. And that is, in fact, a plug for our new podcast that I am producing for Josh Bell and Jason Harris called Awesome Movie Year that launches this Wednesday. Uh, You can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts, anywhere you listen to Piecing It Together. And speaking of listening to Piecing It Together. Uh, if you are not, you should subscribe to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You could also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on social media at Piecing Pod and join our Facebook group Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And, uh, yeah, why don't we get into this conversation? Because we have a lot of movies to talk about. We only had one movie that crossed over on both of our lists, which must mean it's a pretty damn good movie. But uh, we've got a pretty wide-ranging list of uh, movies that we talk about. So I think you guys are going to enjoy this. And if you haven't seen any of these, go see them, because there's some great, great movies. All right, so it's halfway through the year, and we have got with us... Josh Bell to talk about the best movies of the year so far. How's it going, Josh? I'm good. How are you? I'm great, man. I saw a whole bunch of movies this year so far and (laughs) keep doing
1: these podcasts, so I'm great. That's good. Can't complain. Great to see movies. I, too, saw a lot of movies. Uh, I've actually, for the first time, been keeping a running tally, ranking every movie (laughs) of the year that I, not every movie I saw this year, but every movie that came out this year that I have seen. Nice. So we could, uh, if you want to count down starting at number 85, we can do that. (laughs) Wow, that that's yeah. I've been
0: doing that for the last few years, but I certainly haven't gotten to eighty-five yet. But (laughs) you are, of course, a full-on film critic, and you are out there watching movies every day. Oh, I am, and
1: some I wish I didn't. But
0: that's not what this is about. This is about the best movies. Yes. So we are going to count down our uh, top ten so far at the midway point for
1: 2019. And why don't you kick it off with your number ten? Well, my number 10 pick is a movie that we talked about on this very podcast recently. It's Jordan Peele's Us, a movie that is scary and weird and very well acted by Lupita Nyong'o and funny and beautiful to look at, a movie that I was highly anticipating and that I think mostly lived up to my expectations, especially in its first half. Um, Yeah, I'm a big horror fan. I liked Get Out. I think Get Out, for me, suffered a bit from seeing it after so much hype, and with this movie, maybe my expectations were more in line, uh, but I still think I probably liked this one a little more overall, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, Jordan Peele, very talented guy, look forward to seeing what else he does, and uh, I liked Us, and I think you did too. I absolutely did. It was a
0: little below my top 10, but I absolutely did enjoy it, and yeah. Um, He's just such an interesting filmmaker, you know. He he's somebody who gets what it is to make a big blockbuster movie that we can all talk about all year long.
1: Yeah, and people have been talking about. I I feel like I've I've probably reached my limit <laughs> with how much people have been talking about this movie. But I mean, that's not the movie's fault. Sure. And it's it's like he's he's certainly very good at bringing up a lot of ideas that people are going to really dig into. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, my number 10 is the Elton John biopic Rocket Man, which I thought was just a load of fun. Um, I I love that after the, you know, disappointment that Bohemian Rhapsody was for many people, although a lot of people did love it. Um I, I'm just glad that they went so big and just so bombastic. And, you know, I think Elton's story deserves it, you know, for a performer such as himself.
1: Yeah, I like this movie. All right. I definitely did not like Bohemian Rhapsody. And Mm -hmm. I agree, this is better. I sort of felt like I wish they had taken that further and just made it this full on fantasy musical. Uh Because to me, those were the best parts of the movie. And whenever it was like, biopic 101, I didn't have a whole lot of interest in it. But um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I think it's a great movie for fans. Uh, I know you took your parents who enjoyed it very much. And uh, I took my mom. I didn't do a podcast with her, but she also enjoyed the movie and and is a big Elton John fan.
0: My dad keeps saying, it it drives me nuts. He keeps telling people, his mind, I don't even know where to go, but he keeps telling people his favorite part was the credits when they show the side-by-side pictures. And I'm like, dad, that's your
1: favorite part of the movie. That is the worst part. We've (laughs) talked about this, I believe, on here before about how that's the worst part of any biopic. Oh, my God. I just saw Annabelle Comes Home, and they do that in the <laughs> fucking Annabelle movie. Like, come on. Nothing in this movie was real. Do we need a real picture of the real Warren? Sorry, that's totally irrelevant to what we're talking about. But it just bugs the hell out of me. Oh, dad drives me nuts. All right. What's your number nine? Okay. What is my number nine? Uh, my number nine is Joanna Hogg's The Souvenir, mm. um, which is a very well acted. I think that was you know something I'll say a bunch. And I said about uh us a uh, relationship drama about a young woman who is in this very dysfunctional destructive relationship with an older heroin addict uh Honor Swinton Byrne daughter of Tilda Swinton is the star uh and just gives a fantastic performance uh Tilda Swinton is also in it playing her mother and is you know I mean she's Tilda Swinton come on yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and what I what I like about this movie weirdly enough what I like about this movie and what also made it harder for me to get emotionally invested in it is the way that it's it's I mean it's a story about this this kind of doomed romance and it's about drug addiction and a lot of very melodramatic kind of subject material but it, it always looks at it kind of as at a, a remove it drops you in the story at a point where you don't really know all what all the relationships are and how these people are connected to each other and it kind of jumps around a bit it's a, it's sort of aloof and cold mm-hmm. but at the same time it's just so meticulously put together and Joanna Hogg I've only seen one of a, one of her other movies The Exhibition which is even harder to kind of grasp as a who are these characters and what are their relationships to each other and what is happening around them and this movie is a lot more straightforward in that way but I like the way that she looks at human behavior sort of like she's looking at it Through a microscope and it's little bacteria, you know, Mm. she's kind of removed from it, but also is, is understanding it in a way that the people inside of it can't understand. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, a movie that I think if you're looking to like have an emotional catharsis, it's not the movie for you, even though that subject matter kind of would make you think it would be, uh, but just incredibly well made and something that i almost didn't go see in a theater because it was playing here briefly Sure. and i thought oh i could just watch it at home but it looks gorgeous on a big screen even though it's mostly just a movie about people sitting in apartments talking to each other just right. the way it's composed <laughs> uh so yeah the souvenir right on i did not get to see it but i you know i've heard great things about it and i
0: do wish I had seen it now
1: in the theater. <laughs> Sorry. I know how much you love seeing movies in the <laughs> yes. theater.
0: Well, speaking of movies I didn't get to see in the theater, my number uh, nine is S. Craig Zeller's Dragged Across Concrete, oh. which I actually did really like. Um, there was a lot of back and forth about whether or not this movie is glorifying, you know, right-wing ideals and stuff like that. But I really don't think that's what it is. I think that this movie is just a great old-school cop movie with a couple of great performances at the center of it and uh you know I I think the uh you know the the fun moments are really fun and then it's just also really heavy and it's you know for anyone who's kind of a gore fan as well it's got plenty of that as well as his movies do tend to have um but uh yeah overall I I I absolutely really really loved it
1: yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I definitely have that on my list, and I missed it when it was here in theaters. And and you also did. I know
0: <laughs> you didn't you didn't warn me that it was actually in theaters. Josh. I know it was
1: very quiet <laughs> release here in the, in theaters in Vegas. I, I failed in my duty to to let you know about that. Uh, yeah, Zoller is an interesting filmmaker though. I was I was disappointed in uh, Brawl at Cell Block Ninety Nine, uh, which I. Just couldn't get into, but I really like his first movie, Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, uh, I wish he would do. It seems like he's leaned in, leaned into more of that, like gritty cop, yeah, uh, and and the the political commentary stuff, less of the supernatural horror like mm-hmm. uh, Bone Tomahawk was, and I, I like that the most. I think. Right. but I'm very much looking forward to seeing dragged co- dragged across concrete. Mm-hmm. So what do you got for number eight? What do I have for number eight? Uh, my number eight pick is Booksmart, okay. Uh movie that I had very high expectations for, and I think mostly met my expectations. I remember going in thinking, I'm going to be disappointed because I just, <laughs> I love, not only was this movie incredibly well-reviewed, but it's the kind of movie that I absolutely love. Sure. Uh, and and we've talked about, we talked about on this podcast, and I feel like we Personally, have talked about so many times, never going back from last year, Oh yeah, which I just love that movie. And this is a similar film about teenage girl friendship and kind of the the into the night uh, story structure of these two friends who are going on this odyssey that's going to test their friendship and they're going to try new things and they're going to come out from it on the other side with a renewed sense of purpose in their lives. Uh, And it's just funny as hell. It really is. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, the performances from Beanie Feldstein and Caitlyn Deaver are just fantastic. Caitlyn Deaver, I think has been underrated since she was like 10 years old mm-hmm. when she was on the second season of justified, which she's fantastic on that. Um, and yeah, it's just a funny, really fun movie to watch. I love well-drawn teen comedies and we've had A bunch in recent years, especially about teenage girls, not only Never Going Back, but uh, The Edge of 17, which is another movie that I really, really like. Sure. Uh, Eighth Grade from last year. And I think this movie uh, fits along with them. I liked it a lot.
0: Well, if uh, your awesome movie year co-host, Jason Harris, ever makes time for me, we will be doing an episode on Big Smart. Oh, Booksmart. yeah.
1: And I will say, spoiler, he hated it. <laughs> I think I, I
0: fall somewhere between the two of you. All right. But
1: I did like it. Yeah.
0: Um, right. My number eight is a movie that I still am a little uh, dumbfounded with, but I love thinking about it regularly since I saw it, and that is High Life, um, which is a a totally strange unique uh sci-fi starring robert pattinson julia Binoche, and mia goth and uh it is uh i what can i say it's Freaking weird. I'm actually in the middle of editing an episode on it right now. It should go up uh next week. And so you'll get to hear me try to make sense of it even a little more than I am right now as I'm rambling on.
1: Yeah, it's I agree with you on on that. It is a baffling, strange, but kind of mesmerizing film. Yes. It's not it's not on my top ten, but it's it's close. It's definitely in my top twenty. Um yeah, I I I too was kind of not sure what to think about it coming yeah. out of it. And I think that's common for for Claire Denis, the director. Sure. And I've I've only seen a couple of her other films, but you know, I always I think what? Is kind of my main <laughs> yeah. reaction. Absolutely. Um and sometimes it's in a good way and sometimes not as much so. But but yeah, I thought in this movie it was it was in a good way. Yes. And, uh, and Robert Pattinson, I know you're a big fan of his. Oh, I love him. Um, yeah. Supposedly, you know, uh, initially he was supposed to be starring in the sequel to the souvenir, which is a bizarre thing that they're even doing. Right. But yeah. apparently he dropped out of it. So. Yeah. There you go. Random huh. Robert Pattinson trivia for you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got next? Uh, okay. So what number are we on? Seven. Seven. Number seven is a movie that you recommended to me Ooh. and that I really enjoyed. And that is To Dust. Oh, nice. Starring Matthew Broderick uh, and uh, an Israeli actor who is, of course, whose name I am now. Uh, did Giza Roerig. There you go. Hey. Uh, and I'm guessing this might be on your list uh, in a little bit. Absolutely. Um, yeah it's it's an odd film it's a comedy i guess about dealing with grief and it's sort of like a weird oddball buddy movie Mm -hmm. about this orthodox jewish guy who becomes consumed with the idea of how his dead wife's body is going to be decomposing (laughs) and consults with a community college science teacher i guess he is that's how i would describe uh (laughs) played by matthew broderick (laughs) um and draws him into his world of obsession with the decomposition of bodies and yeah it's funny it's it's weird it's kind of touching yeah. in its own way uh, and I think this is the best Matthew Broderick performance in I don't know how long.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. On the episode that we did, uh, I, I brought up Election. It, it, it reminded me of that yeah, kind of yeah. character, you know, yes. that kind of performance. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I haven't seen him do something great in a long time. It's, it's good to see him do something good.
1: Yeah, I wish more people had seen this movie. Um, I, I did not get to see it in theaters. I, I watched it at home. It did mm. play here though in Vegas yeah. for, for a couple weeks. So hopefully more people will catch it. Yeah. Uh, as it goes on, uh, available on home video and stuff.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, I have a feeling you're going to completely disagree with my next <laughs> pick as being anywhere on this list, but, um, it is, uh, James Cameron and Robert Rodriguez's <laughs> Alita battle angel. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, I Okay. So first of all, <laughs> there is a very strange uh uh fandom to this movie which makes it a little hard to to stick with. But that being said, I just watched with my just jaw open at just the spectacle of insanity that they threw up on that screen. Um this is a movie that does not in a way kind of similar to how I loved Aquaman last year, it really just uh it goes for it. It, it has it has a vision and it goes for it. And it it says, "I don't care if you don't like this vision. It's we're 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 going there." And I just I think the effects are fantastic. I think the story is obviously incredibly derivative of like every you know sci fi thing you can imagine. But it is what the story is. You know, it's a manga that you know was being adapted. Um, but I I just had a lot of fun with it. I had so much
1: fun with this movie, despite. Uh, josh's disapproval across the table i mean i don't i (laughs) i I fully approve of people having fun at the movies sure i think it's great when people enjoy the movies that they see Uh Uh, i'm never going to try to convince somebody that they didn't enjoy a movie Uh uh-huh um i didn't enjoy this movie (laughs) but that's me um yeah you know i will say i don't want to you know pick apart your pick but the one thing i'll talk about is the special effects Mm -hmm. which are amazingly sophisticated and yet to me, incredibly distracting. Mm. Like all I could think about watching, I mean, the like people's faces pasted onto the like robot bodies,, yeah, yeah. and also Alita herself, who has these big eyes, mm-hmm. instead of getting drawn into her as a character, all I kept thinking was, "Wow, those special effects." And yeah. every time you look <laughs> at her, you just think, "Wow, How did they do that?" And right. it just distra- to me, it was distractingly good. Yeah. Well, I and I completely understand
0: that and for whatever reason and I almost wonder if it's because and and this doesn't really necessarily make sense but uh I almost wonder if it's because Somewhere along the line of seeing that trailer when I first saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this is awful This is gonna this is gonna be terrible and somewhere along the line. I just bought in <laughs> ahead of time I was like, yeah, actually this does look kind of awesome I can't wait to see this and so by the time I got to the theater I was on board with the effects already, you know, so I, I wonder if that maybe has something to do with it I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I just never bought into it yeah. and I mean for me also I, I didn't think the story or the characters or the dialogue or really any other element of the movie was effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and may, if, I had, if I had been on board with those aspects, maybe I would have uh, kind of looked past the effects. But yeah, I mean, I think this movie is the kind of film that will have, well, you mentioned the the unfortunate sort of politically motivated following. Sure. But I think that aside, this is a movie that will have a cult following of people who will discover it later on you know the this kind year's of, speed racer right the kind of weird <laughs> boondoggle that that you know years from now people will say no this movie was great and it should have gotten a sequel and it should have been all over the place and yeah. although it may get a sequel right it made enough foreign money that yeah it seems like it's did, possible it
0: did well worldwide um yeah. it just has such a stink about it as yeah, far as you that's know that's true yeah so, but uh all right what do you got for your uh, your next one
1: uh all right well my next pick is uh french i think it's, it's a french film um, but it is heavily influenced by Italian films, uh, called Knife and Heart, um, and this is a movie that is a sort of pastiche of uh, giallo films. And actually, on a recent episode or recently recorded episode of Awesome Movie Year, that'll probably be out in a while, mm. we uh, we talked a lot about the influence of Italian horror and Italian uh, giallo directors like Dario Argento and Mario Bava on a sort of movement of art films going on right now uh, or at least I I think I kind of pontificated about it <laughs> yeah. you guys looked at me like I was crazy um but this is if you if you could call it a movement uh I love it it's something that I absolutely love that's going on with films right now and knife and heart takes that style the sort of impressionistic horror the use of color the the almost dreamlike editing and it uh, welds it to a story that's set in the world of gay porn mm-hmm. in Paris in the 1970s. And so it's a very progressively queer kind of movie, but it's also about a guy who kills people with a dildo that has a knife in it. So, <laughs> I mean, it's totally ridiculous and over the top and crazy and funny. And uh, uh, Vanessa Paradis plays the uh, like woman who runs the uh, porn company and is is very very funny and just it's a great character and it's a lot of i mean it's weird to say it's a lot of fun for a movie that's kind of artsy and baffling and weird and gory uh, but it is and yeah. so um yeah it's out i think it's out now on VOD it didn't play in theaters here in Vegas i don't know if it played in a lot of theaters i saw it at a festival earlier this year mm-hmm. um but i think if people like argento if they like giallo films um, if they like, um uh, stuff like Peter Strickland's films and, uh, his, his film in fabric that comes out later this year, right. uh, is one of my favorites of the year. We can't include it cause it hasn't come out yet, but it's mm. very good. Um, if you like those movies, check out knife and heart. Um, I think it's on Shudder right now, as well as probably individual VOD. Nice.
0: Yeah. I, I hadn't even heard of it, but it, it sounds great. It
1: sounds insane.
0: <laughs> it is insane. Yes. Yeah. And if you like
1: insane movies, this is one to check out. Nice.
0: All right, well, uh, for my number, uh, what are we on number six? (laughs) I'm getting myself lost now. Uh, I am going to a movie that I originally had no desire to see. I thought it looked ridiculous and unnecessary, and I ended up loving it. It's Toy Story 4. Oh, yeah. I absolutely, I, I had so much fun with this movie. I'm not... I was I'm not the biggest Pixar guy and I'm not particularly the biggest Toy Story guy either. Um I I've always liked them, but they're just, you know, whatever. Um this might be my favorite of the series. It's just uh it's just so much fun and uh we haven't done our episode yet at the time of this, but we're planning on one. Um and you know, just w- one note I'll just mention is just uh the the amount that i was just talking about the effects with alita the amount that the visual effects have improved and i mean it's just amazing to look at and some of the sequences are just are just mind-blowing
1: yeah i liked it a lot it's not again in my top 10 but i think it's in my top 15 or 20 um and yeah i've always enjoyed the toy story movies i watched them all again recently and wrote a little something on them on my uh site to lead up to this and they're all very very entertaining. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're you're also very right. Like the the way, and especially watching them all in quick succession, yeah, the the leaps of development in the technology is just like amazing. I mean, you yeah. watch the original Toy Story and it's still a great movie, and it's really fun because of the characters and the voices and the story, and it's got so much heart. Yeah. But it looks like something that you would now get in a bargain bin in Walmart. Right. Because right. <laughs> the the way that the the animation techniques have developed and Yeah, Toy Story 4, I I was not as down on it as you were uh, pre-seeing it, but I definitely thought, oh, do we really need this? Right. Uh, And, you know, sure, we don't need it, but it's very entertaining. It adds a lot to the franchise. There's some great new characters and and different uses of old characters. And, yeah, I will say, almost like Alita, there were aspects of the animation where it looks so realistic Mm -hmm. that I was sort of distracted. I was like, these, like, talking toys – should not be in an environment that looks exactly like a live action shot. Right. Like, it's too real. <laughs> yeah. Stylize it a little. <laughs> but yeah, it looks it looks amazing. The the like texture of Bo Peeps like ceramic oh, yeah. skin or whatever is just gorgeous. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, what do you got for your uh, number five? Uh, My number five is another movie that we talked about on this podcast, which I think you did not like as much as I did. Uh, Alex Ross Perry's Her Smell, Mm -hmm. starring Elizabeth Moss in an amazing performance. And this has been a great year for Elizabeth Moss between this and us. And she has The Kitchen coming later this year, which looks pretty uh, intense. And she's just a great actress. Um, And she, like, is this whole movie. She gives this just astounding performance as Becky something, this... Self-destructive rock star, and it's fascinating. The movie itself is is kind of uh overwhelming and and off-putting, but in a good way that really draws you into the chaos of this character's life. Yeah. Uh it's got some great music in it. It really evokes the 90s grunge scene and style and sound. Um, some good sporting performances. Uh yeah, I just I I like Perry a lot. He's can be a kind of a polarizing filmmaker, I think. There's some critics who definitely just despise everything that he does. <laughs> yeah. And as a person, he's kind of, I think, plays up his contrarianism. Um, I think we talked about in that episode about how he wrote this long essay about how uh, Avengers Endgame should right. be nominated for Best Picture, yeah. uh, which is really not on brand for an uh, indie auteur. <laughs> but he may be a weird guy and maybe kind of a dick, but I love his movies and I loved Her Smell. Yeah, I, I love the performance and I love the score. So All right, those are two key elements <laughs> yes, of that movie.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, right on. Well, my number uh, five, five yeah. would then be uh, Under the Silver Lake. I Obviously, this was on my most awaited list for like two years <laughs> leading up to it as yeah. A24 fucked around and didn't know what the hell to do with it. But um, finally came out and it seems like some people love it and some people hate it and there's nothing in between and i absolutely loved it it was exactly what i was hoping and then some uh totally just like this fun weird journey of a film and uh it goes in some really crazy places which i love and it's got like you know you know I me mean? i i love a movie that really just gives me something to chew on for weeks after and i mean you know, you can go online and like just read fan theories all day. There's so many theories about every little every little thing. And then, aside from that, though, I mean, just straight down to it, the performances from Andrew Garfield and uh, what's her name? Oh, uh, Riley Keough. Riley Keough. Yeah, yeah I mean, great performances all around. And then also, um, if I'm just going to point to a specific uh, thing, the songwriter scene is probably my number one favorite thing that's happened in the movies this year, which is wow. just so. Oh, I just love that scene. It's just so nuts.
1: Um, Yeah, I haven't seen this yet, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I read so much about it. And like you said, it's been very love it or hate it. And a lot of uh, different takes on why you should love it or why you should hate it. And I think some people have the same reasons for those things. And you mentioned the fan theories. And I read a lot about how this movie is all about how fan theories are bullshit and uh-huh. it's sort of like a anti-fan theory movie. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, I think it's actually on Amazon Prime as of July 1st. Yes. So hopefully more people will get to see it, including awesome.
0: me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, you definitely got to see it. I want to know what you think of this yeah, one. Yeah,
1: I'm looking forward to it. What do you got for number four? Uh, my number four pick is Sebastian Lelio's uh, Gloria Bell. No relation to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is his remake of his own film, Gloria uh, from a few years back, uh, he's a Chilean director, and that movie was uh, a Chilean film uh, about a middle-aged divorced woman kind of rediscovering her zest for life. And uh, the new version, which stars Julianne Moore as the title character, really just does it all again, mm-hmm. but in a very, very effective emotionally engaging way. Uh, I mean, it doesn't feel like he's just going through the motions of repeating himself so he can reach a wider audience. Uh, There's so much sensitivity in his portrayal of this character. And of course, Julianne Moore is a great actress and brings so much to this character who is, even though her life is kind of sad, at least as the movie starts, she's never a sad person. She's someone who is always looking for the best out of life and she's whether that's in relation to her grown kids who kind of don't really pay a whole lot of attention to her or dating where she refuses to give up or you know stop hoping for some great romance or a great intimacy, even though she's at an age where people have kind of discounted that. Mm. Uh, John Turturro plays her love interest, who's uh, not a, maybe a great guy, but even the portrayal of that, it's not a movie about how she ends up with this dick who treats her poorly. It's sensitive to him, even as he's kind of a dick. (laughs) Um, This movie also has some great Vegas stuff. It takes place mainly in LA, but there's a detour as those characters, Julianne Moore and John Turturro's character, take a vacation to Vegas. And I think like the way it portrays being this middle-aged woman in circumstances that people from the outside would think, oh, that's kind of sad. You know, it gives that same sense of wonder to Vegas. And you Hmm. could easily make Vegas this like, oh, how sort of, sad that they came to this uh, place trying to capture something about their romance, but she sees it through this whole sense of wonder that I just really, really liked. Um, And and again, Julianne Moore, such a great actress. So this is a movie that really came and went very quickly. And if it was meant to get Sebastian Lelio a wider audience, it failed. (laughs) Um, But I think he deserves a wider audience. He's made some great movies, Um, A Fantastic Woman, the original Gloria, uh, Disobedience, which was one of my top 10 movies last year. I think he's a great filmmaker, and I hope more people see Gloria Bell.
0: Yeah, I really wanted to see it when it was in theaters. I was really sad that I missed it. Um, I think it just hit VOD, didn't it? Oh, great. I'm not sure, but that's wonderful. I hope people will watch it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it. That's going to be one that I actually do catch that I missed (laughs) in theaters. Um, Right on. My uh, number four is Harmony Korine's The Beach Bum,
1: (sighs) which you didn't like it? Um, I was wondering what you thought. No, but tell me why you liked it.
0: Okay, this movie is just happiness bottled up into a ninety-year two-hour movie, ninety-minute two-hour movie. It is just, just pure, just like enjoy life, man. It's the Matthew McConaughey essence, you know, and it is completely ridiculous. It plays out like a series of sketches, and it. It's so silly. It's so, it's aggressively silly, you know? And, um, but I, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. There's so many, uh, moments within this movie that I just found to be just completely hilarious. It, it's definitely a movie I could see how, if, if, if you can't get on board with this, these characters and the very, very ridiculous style, I do think it's kind of his most, uh, you know, Harmony Korine's most accessible film, but it's still very just silly and <laughs> very out there. Um, but I, I just think it's just, it's joy. It is joy bottled up. I felt
1: no joy watching oh, that movie. Josh Bell hates and, everything, And And man. I was I was, looking, I was looking forward to it in part because how much you liked it. Oh, yeah? And I didn't see it in the theater. Mm. I had tried to, and it didn't quite work out. Yeah. And I got the chance to write something about it recently. And so I got a screener, and I thought, oh, good. I'm finally... Now I have a reason to see this movie. like yeah. It's not going to fall through the cracks. I'm going to sit down and watch it. I'm ready for it. And I just didn't like anything about it. You didn't even like Martin Lawrence? No. I mean, by no. the time you get to Martin Lawrence, I was... I mean, I was so not into it by that yeah. point that there was no way he was gonna win me back over.
0: See, and I could see that if you're if you're not into it, it's just it's the whole time is basically the same thing. Nobody learns anything, nobody like really like build, you know, like it, it's just that kind of stupidity for the whole movie. You know? yeah.
1: and I mean, I think the thing that threw me is that you and you're far from the only one who said that it was like happiness personified. it was this such this upbeat. Life is Great movie. And I didn't get that from it at all. Really? I thought it was sad and (laughs) pathetic. And especially like at the beginning, I thought, okay, I can kind of see how that's the tone. But as soon as his wife dies in a car <laughs> crash that is largely his fault, uh-huh. I could not get the sense of glee out of this movie anymore, and I couldn't like the character anymore. He's, he's still happy? Yeah, <laughs> and I just didn't understand, and I thought the fact that he's still happy just struck me as sad. Yeah. yeah. Um.
0: So I, I get what you're saying completely because yeah. I, I... You know, that actually is a good point, and it, it's funny because I think in real life, it would be incredibly sad, but... As a movie character, it's just hilarious and fun.
1: Yeah, I don't know. You know, I have to say, I felt this way about Spring Breakers, too. I was like, no, what are you talking about? I was mixed on Spring Breakers. Yeah, Yeah, but (laughs) not for me. Well, what
0: do you got for your number three? All
1: right, my number three pick is a movie that goes against all of Dave's ethos about movies because it was not released in theaters. And furthermore, its director insisted that it not be released in theaters. What an
0: asshole, whoever he is. And
1: that is Steven Soderbergh's High Flying Bird, Mm. a Netflix original film. Um, I love Steven Soderbergh. And I think, you know, he quote unquote retired for like a minute. Mm. And since he's come back, I've been a little disappointed. I I wasn't a fan of Logan Lucky. I wasn't a fan of Unsane. And so I went into this movie thinking, oh, maybe I'm just not on his wavelength anymore. Mm. Um, And I loved this movie. It's so well written. It's written by uh, Terrell Alvin McCraney, who is a playwright, who uh, his play was the basis for the movie Moonlight. Mm. Um, But this movie is a lot zippier than Moonlight. It's a lot funnier. It's got this rapid fire dialogue. Um, The fact that Soderbergh insists on shooting on iPhones, I find infuriating. But (laughs) if he's going to do that, this movie looks the best that you could possibly hope for a movie shot on iPhones. Uh, It's got a lot of creative uh, camera angles and I feel like it captures a lot about what I used to like about Soderbergh movies which is this this kind of wonkiness about a world that i don't know anything about it's the main character is a sports agent played by andre holland and the whole movie is about his kind of deal making for his clients as the nba is in this lockout mm. and it's a basketball movie in which there's maybe two minutes of basketball playing mm-hmm. which i love because i can't stand sports sure, sure. Um, but i thought just the the characterization was so rich uh zazi beats who plays his assistant is so funny in this movie mm-hmm. um yeah, it just made me smile the whole time. And it's also in a weird way like a heist movie where there's is it like go going back to like Oceans Eleven, where characters are kind of making plans and doing things and you're like, what exactly are they aiming for? And then only at the end do you realize, oh, they were three steps ahead of these other characters. So right, right. yeah, I mean, I think the fact that it's on Netflix either means that it was seen by far more people than would ever see a Steven Soderbergh movie sure, or that it was seen by no one and you <laughs> don't really know. Yeah. But hopefully anyone who has Netflix can watch this movie and and I hope that they will. Well, maybe I will watch it one of these days because I did think it sounded
0: great when it came out and I heard a lot of great things about it. So. Yeah,
1: I, I think if you can get past your antipathy uh, about, about movies not being released in theaters. I don't know if I can. Check but it out. We'll see. <laughs> all right well my number three is a
0: movie you brought up earlier and that is two dust which um i this has been towards the top of my list since i saw it um and then of course i got a chance to interview the director writer director sean snyder which you know only made me love it even more but i mean really though when i first saw it i mean the movie was just so for me i mean you know dark comedies like this are, are my favorite kind of movie really. Um, and it's just so weird. So offbeat, like you said, great, uh, Matthew McConaughey or Matthew McConaug- <laughs> The year of the Matthews. Yes. The Matthews. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and it's just such a weird story and it's so like, you know, I'm, I'm not a very, uh, Jewish person, but I'm Jewish, but, uh, <laughs> Jew-ish? But, yeah, I'm Jewish, but, um, but, you know, I, I love I love stories though, that deal with that kind of uh, that, that kind of the Jewish mysticism and all that kind of stuff. I just think it's just uh, an interesting place to go and, le- you know, it really adds to the comedy in such a great way. And it's 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 such a, a, just an original movie, I think. I, I can't really say there's a lot of movies that are quite like it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I liked it. And, uh, I too am Jewish, maybe mm-hmm. less so than you are, but still, <laughs> uh, I've certainly seen a lot of Jewish films. We have a Jewish film festival here in Vegas. That's uh, a really great event. And they always show in, a lot of interesting films. Um, and I liked this movie's portrayal of religion and the way it was skeptical, but also respectful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Not I think, true. is that the only movie that we overlapped? What a, an odd, but so, kind of amazing choice. So
0: far, and I have a feeling it's going to stay that way. Because, I think so uh, too, yeah. Yeah, one one of my top two you haven't seen, and the other one I'm guessing is just nowhere near your top 10. But yeah. we'll, we'll <laughs> see when I say it. But uh, anyway, you're uh, number two. Uh,
1: so my number two pick goes back to what I was saying about Knife and Heart and is another one of these Neo-Giallos, which, like I said, is just my jam. I love this movement. And I love this movie, which unlike Knife and Heart, which has been getting a lot of attention lately, I think this movie disappeared without anyone seeing it. Uh, It's Nicholas Pesci's Piercing. Mm. Um, And not only is it part of this neo-giallo trend, but his first movie, uh, The Eyes of My Mother, which is not in any way like that, um, did get a lot of attention and got a lot of critical acclaim and deservedly so was this kind of austere black and white atmospheric horror movie, which I also loved. Um, And piercing is the opposite. It is bright colors, just like this giallo style. Um, It is funny. Uh, It's got a lot of dialogue um, as great performances. And again, this is, it surprises me that a movie that stars Mia Wasikowska and Christopher Abbott, who just starred in the uh, Hulu Catch-22 series, is a hot Mm. up-and-coming actor That nobody seemed to pay attention to this movie. It's funny. It's basically about this guy who is sort of, uh, I guess you would say, an aspiring serial killer and makes all of these plans to kill his first victim. Uh, And he hires a prostitute to come to his hotel room so that he can kill her. And then... Uh, She is more messed up than he is. And it turns into this weird version of a romantic comedy where these characters are either falling in love or going to murder each other or possibly both. (laughs) Um, And it's got so much, like I said, bright colors and this deliberately artificial set design. Uh, It's also very Brian De Palma-esque with with split screens Mm. and deep focus and stuff like that. And it's, again, it's funny. It's well acted. Uh, Nobody saw this movie. And I wish they would. I think it's it's definitely out on VOD because it came out on VOD to begin with. Um, whether mm. it's on any like streaming subscription services, I'm not sure. But I hope people will check it out. I think it's possibly the most underrated uh, and certainly the most obscure movie that I've picked here. But I really liked it. Yeah,
0: I wanted to see it. And I definitely hope to see it. I, I've heard such great things about it. And it sounds like so much fun, like for such it a is, dark and movie. and I think I know? was
1: like unprepared for how much fun it would be.
0: Yeah and and i I did a uh, joke on Twitter that uh, when I finally if I ever do an episode on it, I'm gonna change the name of the show to piercing <laughs>
1: together <so. laughs> <There you go>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. um, all right. My number two is a uh, a uh, a little movie called John Wick Chapter Three: Parabellum, which it okay, no, I, you, go <laughs> for it. tell me i I thought about making this my number one. That's how much I love this movie all right. um. This movie is, it's its such, it's pure nonsense. It's so ridiculous. It, it I was not a huge fan of the first two. I liked them, but I, I didn't love them, but I definitely liked them. This one just ups it as far as humanly possible. I, my, the biggest problem with this movie is I don't think it could, ever be topped by a john wick four, which is obviously on the way um but it is just the keanu reeves takes this character to just such a ridiculous level um the the fight scenes are out of this world as far as choreography is concerned um i i'm not really i don't watch many of those like the the asian you know cinema films that they're emulating um uh so I mean I've seen the raid so I know that obviously they're you know they're copying a lot of that style and everything and you know they're not they're not you know trying to get away with it I mean they cast a lot of those people as well in it um so they clearly show a lot of reverence for that you know that genre um but yeah I mean these movies are so goddamn ridiculous but so much fun as far as I'm concerned um, and some of those fight scenes are just, I mean, they just blew my mind. I was laughing with glee at the level of ridiculous violence. Which, by the way, I did make a comment on our uh, John Wick 3 episode that I find so funny that that Keanu Reeves is currently enjoying this moment, or maybe not enjoying who knows if he's actually enjoying it, but this moment of being like America's sweetheart but the thing he's most known for at the moment is the most violent fucking movie like imaginable <laughs> it's just like pure knives and eyeballs like oh, i love it so much
1: yeah i didn't love it yeah, but yeah, you didn't. but uh but you know i'm i'm in the minority on this yeah. uh, these movies seem to get more critically acclaimed as they go on which
0: is rare that's so rare for a series
1: yeah i mean it to me it reminds me sort of of the mission impossible series Yes. yes. where it just built and built and just people go nuts to the point where you were at like the sixth movie and people are talking about, I think on our end of the year last year, Jason, Jason Harris, my co-host on awesome movie year had the mission impossible movie as his number one movie of the year. My number
0: two or three. Right. And
1: uh, I, I never was really that into these John Wick movies, to be Uh honest. The first one I thought was, was fine. It was like a well done B action movie. I enjoyed it. I didn't love it. And I felt like it kind of was done. Yeah. I didn't know why we needed more. I mean I knew why we needed more is because it made a <laughs> lot of money. But I mean from a from an artistic standpoint, it didn't yeah. feel to me like there needed to be more. Yeah. And I just feel like it's gotten so played out at this point. I mean to me the violence, the stunts and stuff are are kind of repetitive the more they add to the mythology, which is just so absurd. It's insane. <laughs> it just makes... Every every bit that they add to me makes it less appealing. What oh, I liked it. about the first movie is that it was simple. Right. It's Killed not simple anymore. His dog, they took his car, he wants revenge, boom, end yeah. of story. And now you've got all these secret underground organizations and mm-hmm. different factions and leaders. And oh, I just... I, I could not well, with I, this
0: movie, but... <laughs> But another thing you got to remember, though, is that it's not only great for a violence fan such as myself, but a dog person such um, as myself. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, the, the dog moments are just some of the I mean, I they're insane. There's so much fun, those dog moments. I don't know. I, I, I've said before I would watch 90 minute documentary on just how they train those dogs. I yeah. mean, it's yeah, amazing.
1: Yeah, I, I think there were some great I, I wasn't that into the dog uh scenes, but I think early in the film, there were some great. Eight sequences the one in the in the barn or the stables with the horses all oh, the horses yeah yeah and the one with all the you mentioned knives and eyeballs where they're in yep. the like is it a library or a museum or something? it was something? a
0: museum of weapons i think like yeah. they had like gun parts and stuff and right kni- yeah yeah and all that.
1: i like those scenes a lot i felt like and those were both towards the beginning of the movie yeah. and i kind of felt like it never lived up to that mm. uh and these movies get longer each time too <laughs> Well, that's the trend in general, yeah, I think. Yeah. So whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, we're, we're on to our number ones. So uh, what do you got for your number one? George? So my number one is a movie I'm pretty sure that you have not seen. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that a lot of people have not seen. And that is uh, Lajlo Nemes's, uh Sunset. The, he's a Hungarian filmmaker uh, who made a movie a few years ago that got a lot more attention uh, called Son of Saul. Uh, which Mm. I believe won the Oscar for best foreign language film, um, or at least was nominated uh, and was highly critically acclaimed. It was a Holocaust film, um, but he found a way to put a different sort of spin on it. There's so many movies like that. And the character in that movie was uh, Sonderkommando, uh, the Jews who were uh, sort of uh, commissioned by the Nazis to help things along at uh, concentration camps. And the, the visual style of that movie, Uh, where he keeps the camera close, like really close, on the face of the main character virtually all the time Mm. so that all of this horrific stuff is happening right around him, but you don't see it. Mm. And you're just along with him the whole time. And it it really gives you a new perspective on what it would have been like to be experiencing this at the time that it happened without the historical awareness Mm. uh, that we bring to a movie like that. Um, so that's that movie, oh, <laughs> uh, Son of Saul, which was great and uh, was acclaimed. And the, to me, the fascinating thing about Sunset is that he goes from this movie about one of the most, you know, probably the most significant historical event uh, of the last, you know, 100 plus years or something to a movie about a hat store. And <laughs> this movie takes place in Budapest in Hungary. And he's Hungarian, the director. Uh takes place in Budapest, and I think it's, it's 1910, 12, something like that, in the, the, the time leading right up to World War One, mm-hmm. And it is about this woman, uh, played by uh, Yulia Jacob, I think is how you pronounce her name. Amazing performance from her. She's an orphan who, uh, she's uh, now maybe 19 or 20 years old, returns to the city where her family has owned this luxury hat store for generations. And her parents were killed in a car crash when she was very, very, very young and she was sent away to live with uh, relatives and she comes back and she wants to kind of return to the family business. And this sounds like the most boring fucking thing you can Mm. possibly imagine. And yet he shoots it in the same way that he shot Son of Saul. So it's all from her perspective. and. It begins with her just coming in and saying, can you hire me on at this store to design some hats? And from there, it becomes this odyssey into this sort of criminal underworld of Budapest and these revolutionaries that are fomenting a rebellion and all of this stuff that ultimately led up to World War I. And it's dreamlike. I think, like the Holocaust film, you don't know what the hell is going on around her. Mm. And at a certain point, I realized okay, this isn't a movie about hats. And (laughs) I don't really know. She's going to these secret meetings and all of these people are kind of accosting her and telling her that she's in danger. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell is happening. But that's the point is that she also doesn't know what the hell is happening. And she has to find her way through this. And uh, in a way, like uh, a movie that we recently talked about on this podcast, Midsummer, Mm -hmm. it's a movie about this seemingly naive young woman who is thrust into this dangerous world and comes out of it as like the leader of it. And it leads up to this just amazing final shot where all of the historical relevance of this movie comes along uh, or, or comes to kind of impact you. But along the way, it's it's almost a horror movie in the way it's just nightmarish. It's gorgeously shot. It's so well set designed and costumes. It has a lot of great hats. Um, Naturally. Of course. (laughs) And again, and Yulia Jakob, the the main star is just fantastic. And this is definitely not a movie for everyone. Sure. Um, But it was so a movie for me. I've seen it twice this year. I saw it at a festival in January in the theater, and then I watched it again at home. And it's just mesmerizing from beginning to end. So I loved it.
0: Hey, I I had not actually heard of it. I mean, I certainly heard of Son of Saul, but um, yeah, sounds uh, it sounds interesting. It yeah. is interesting. It's a movie yeah.
1: that like got critically not a huge response, <laughs> but I just thought it was wonderful, and I liked it even more than Son of Saul. Although I can see how that's a movie that a lot more people would respond to. Sure, uh, but to me, this was a more almost original vision. Okay.
0: Well, uh, I'm going to go ahead with my number one then for the year so far, and that is Gaspar Noe's Climax. I, uh, I'm i not particularly a huge fan of his. I saw Irreversible million years ago back when it came out. Um, I had been wanting to see other movies of his and never really actually got to them, but I went into Climax not really knowing what to expect, except, hey, A24 put it out. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it just kind of blew my mind. I mean, it you know, it, it's... Uh, Again, it's another you know hard to really recommend movie. It's it's certainly not for everyone, and I mean, uh, you know, not to give anything away, but I mean, it's all kind of ultimately a little meaningless. I mean, it's just kind of an exercise in doing something weird on screen. But holy shit, is it just mesmerizing? And like, uh, I I saw it twice in the theater, um, and it's just I I haven't stopped thinking about it all year. I mean, some of the shots are just mind-blowing the the performances, uh most of which are non-actors, but then Sophia Batali isn't it. Um they're all incredible. Um and it, it's it's a very strange film. It's it's but once it gets down to what it's about, which is, you know, these people tripping and you know dancing, uh it's just, yeah, like I said, I mean, I think I said mesmerizing already, but that it really is the word I would use. It's just like a there are moments in the movie where um, you know you're almost not even sure if you really saw what you just saw. Like you know that's how that's how uh, almost trippy it is without actually being on anything in the theater. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a a very wild movie, very unique uh it it was a fun one to do an episode on we did do an episode on it of the show if you check back uh, about a dozen episodes or so go check that one out um but I definitely recommend people that are into something strange to go check it out it's it's a uh it's it's a very unique movie
1: yeah I still haven't I haven't seen it um I missed the chance it was briefly in theaters here but uh by the time I was able to potentially see it it was gone um, but I do want to see it. I have, I've actually not only have I not, not seen this, but I've never seen any Gaspar Noé. Oh, um, really? Yeah. And I think there, there are always movies like irreversible and, um, now I'm blanking on, uh, Into the Void. Into the Void. Yeah. yeah. Um, where it seems like it would be like a chore right? right. and they're very long. <laughs> yeah. And so it's always something where I'm like, well, maybe I'll watch this another time. Right. Um, right. But I do, I do plan to watch Climax, uh, which I think is shorter. And, um, just because it's current and it seems like a thing I need to catch up on for this year. And, and because you give it such a high recommendation, I'm really curious to hear what you think once yeah. you watch it. So I'm curious. There's a few movies you've had in Under the Silver Lake and Dragged Across Concrete, all of which I are like high up on my list of movies I need to catch up with for this year.
0: Right on. Well, I'm going to watch The Souvenir and Gloria Bell soon, All right. All so. right. I don't know so much about Sunset, but maybe I'll get to it. I <laughs> hope you, I'm not sure. I'd be interested to see what you think of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, well uh that's our top 10. You got any um like uh honorable mentions you want to bring up?
1: Well, I briefly mentioned Peter Strickland's In Fabric, which is not out yet but mm-hmm. will be soon, and then I saw it a uh, or I didn't see it at a festival. I saw it to review for a festival. Anyway, to harp on my neo-giallo obsession, it <laughs> works with that stuff. It's also really funny and if you liked and and weird, we talked a lot about weird movies. If you liked his other films, Barbarian Sound Studio and uh, the du- Duke of Burgundy, uh, I recommend seeing that when that comes out. It's from your favorite place, A24. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, also, about to come out, and also from A24, The Farewell uh, with Aquafina, which is just a really sensitive, well drawn uh, family drama that I liked a lot. And that's Looking coming out just that. in a couple weeks. Um, yeah, I mentioned like almost no studio films, I realized. So uh, I'll give a shout out to Long Shot with uh, Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. Which that was going to be my,
0: uh, that's like my number 11, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that maybe is the my favorite like mainstream movie of this year. Just a really, really fun romantic comedy. Um, we we just did a whole episode on Midsummer, which I liked a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which is uh, out... Uh, I think right now in Vegas, um, very well-made film also from Eight Twenty Four, 24 or maybe that's Annapurna. I'm not sure, but one of those. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, those are, those are some of my additional picks. Right on. Yeah. I, like I said, I was going to bring up a uh, long
0: shot. Also Midsummer Midsommar would be just, just underneath there. Uh, I also really like the dead. Don't die. Another kind of love it or hate it. Kind of just ridiculous movie from Jim Jarmusch. Um, and then I, I have to mention this movie, even though it's not a good movie, but it has dominated my thoughts about movies this year, and that is the insane misfire Serenity starring <laughs> Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway and Jason Clark, which, uh, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and call it uh, one of the best movies of the year, but it's certainly... Ah, uh, for me, it, it it reaches the heights that very few bad movies reach. Of like movies that I feel like I will watch again in the future because I love them so much for how bad they are.
1: Yeah, it's it's something. Yeah, uh, quite a year for Matthew McConaughey. It sure so is. What it's, is he doing later this year? Because it's oh going to be hard to top those two. Yeah,
0: I whatever it is, I I want one end of the spectrum from <laughs> him. So yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think that does it. Josh, what do you got to plug today?
1: Well, uh, we have the podcast that you and I have worked on uh, that I hope people will be listening to called Awesome Movie Year, co-hosted by me and uh, Jason Harris, comedian and filmmaker and produced by the wonderful David Rosen. And you can listen to that, I think, uh, as of now.
0: Yeah, the intro episode is up now. And as of the time this episode goes up, uh, this Wednesday, July 3rd, will be the first full episode. Why don't you tell them what uh, movie it is?
1: Uh, That is going to be our discussion of The Lion King. And the concept of the podcast is each season takes a look back at a year in film. And we are starting with the year 1994. And each episode uh, takes a look at a different movie in a different category. So we're starting this year with, or this season with The Lion King. Uh, which was the box office champion. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at the Best Picture winner, some of our personal picks, uh, future cult classics, uh, the biggest flop of the year, a whole bunch of other stuff. So you can hear all about our thoughts on some of the most interesting and notable movies of 1994 and then uh, some future years coming up. So check that out wherever you find your podcasts and also at awesomemovieyear.com. Beautiful. Everybody
0: check it out. We will have the link in the show notes. Josh, thank you as always for being here.
1: Man. Always great to be here. Hey, I'm Josh Bell. I'm Jason Harris. Hey, Josh, we're friends in real life, but we're also co-hosts on this new podcast called Awesome Movie Year, where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies and do a deep dive looking at movies, including the Best Picture winner, the biggest movie at the box office, future cult classics and more, including the biggest flop. And this season we're doing 1994. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. That could be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or Spotify. We're all over the web as well Got Awesome Movie Year on all the socials and awesome Movieyear.com. So please like us
0: subscribe. And uh, if you do like us, give us a five star rating because we love you. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about the best movies so far of 2019. Of course, I had to get a little shout out to Serenity in there because it's just so goddamn ridiculous. And uh, people really need to watch it because it's uh, okay. Maybe you don't need to watch it, but I think you do. Anyway, let's uh, close this thing up. We will be back this week with an episode on Ari Aster's Midsummer, which is also going to feature Josh Bell. He's been on the show a lot lately, but uh, I always love having him, so why not? And, of course, we also have Awesome Movie you're launching on Wednesday, uh, so you should definitely check that out wherever you listen to podcasts. You could check out an uh, intro episode that's up now, but the first main episode, uh, which is on the Lion King comes up on Wednesday and then we've got 12 straight episodes in a row for you guys already recorded already in the can and there's going to be coming one week after another we're already planning on doing more seasons of the show uh it's going to be a great show I think people are going to really enjoy it so check out Awesome Movie Year and of course subscribe to Piecing It Together as well wherever you listen to podcasts And uh, shout out to Bird Road and Entrez Dos, also on the All Points West Network. You should be subscribed to those as well. You could also join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we will most certainly be talking about our favorite movies of the year so far lots of great conversations going down in there so definitely check that out and come join in the conversation with us you could also rate and review us on apple podcasts which helps to get the show heard you could also just share the show with your friends that would be amazing if you did that we want more people to hear the show and you know our our listenership has been growing the last couple of months such amazingly big growth numbers i mean it just makes me so happy that people are enjoying the show and uh the more it grows the more i'm going to let it take over my life and find ways to add more content for you guys i'm already thinking of ways to do more uh little side series and, uh, special episodes and all that kind of stuff. So there will be a lot more piecing it together coming as long as you keep listening. So, uh, again, thank you for listening. And here's to the rest of the year, some more, uh, movies to watch, lots more movies to watch and more piecing it together to make. So let's close this up with a piece of my music. Uh, there's not really a theme for this episode, since it's just a, uh, a list episode, so uh, I want to play something, I don't know, something I, I'm pretty sure I never played on the show before, so just clicking through some of my albums, I uh, I guess here's a random one, a track called "Clear View" from my album Like Ashes. So enjoy this, and uh, if you like it, this is actually a free album that you can get on my davidrosen.bandcamp.com site so uh, you can go download it for free